0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of filmpulse.net. This is episode number 128. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. This week, we'll be having Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on the show for a review of Guardians of the Galaxy. Then we'll be talking about The One I Love, starring Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. And finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray releases. First up. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching. Now, before we get into that, Kevin, you wanted to talk about BronyCon.
1: BronyCon. I stumbled upon BronyCon. I was in Baltimore this weekend for a wedding anniversary, and at first, I just saw people with like you know those wings, and they had like little uh, unicorn horns on their heads, and I'm Mm. like, what the fuck is going on? Why are people dressed up like this? And then it finally hit me once I saw someone in full, full, <laughs> My Little Pony outfit. And then it hit me. It's it. It's such. I don't get it. I was so it, confused. It. it <laughs> I just, I've never been more confused in my life. It is a really weird phenomenon. Like I,
0: I even watched that documentary, and I still don't fully grasp the draw.
1: I don't, I don't. I don't get it at all. And I mean, I completely forgot that BronyCon takes place in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So that threw me off. And then actually seeing whatever they're, what are they called? Bronies? Mm-hmm. We call them Bronies? Bronies everywhere. It just, I was just constantly confused. Constant state of confusion. Yep. I why just. Are, why are they called Bronies, first off? Did Cause they talk they're about Because du- they're dudes
0: and they like. So they have a. Pony.
1: So they have a convention. For My Little Pony, just for the dudes that like it. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of rude. Well, I mean, do they I have like? That... A, do they have like a normal My Little Pony convention? I don't think so. So it's just for the dudes.
0: Yeah, that's kind of weird. What I'm wondering is if the show has embraced this idea of bronies, and I'm wondering if the show has changed it all to cater more towards them <laughs>
1: to, to the bronies.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm wondering because I I I, t- I said this before on the show. I watched a couple episodes of that TV show to just maybe maybe I could figure out see if what was, it was
1: there was some nuance to it. Maybe some some yeah. levels. Is I there levels th- to it?
0: No, I got through maybe <laughs> two or three episodes and I was like, what? I don't understand. This is just a, a kid show that's mainly geared towards girls. Hmm. The,
1: I, I, I there were I didn't was...
0: find any. You know, like, I, I watch Adventure Time, and I watch that every single week. And I can see the appeal of Adventure Time to adults, men and women. Correct. But with My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, I don't understand it. <laughs> but, I mean, I,
1: I don't that being
0: said, the whole kind of ethos of the brony, I, I think it's an admirable one you know i i like kind of what they stand for and stuff but i still don't really get it Hmm. i just don't see the appeal like the the show to me is just kind of annoying and i don't like the animation
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah it's just it's something else i have no idea how i feel about it i just i don't know i've never been so confused in my life
0: yeah there's a lot of Trends and and things that happen in pop culture that maybe aren't for me, but I can kind of understand. And, but with that, I just don't, I just don't know. Like even LARPing, when I first heard about LARPing, I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird. Like I don't, LARP, I, I would never it, be. In... I
1: mean, LARPing, I can understand at least. Yeah, th- that's what I was just gonna say. It.
0: Like I understand the idea of LARPing. Like you know, people that are into role playing games and whatnot it's kind of like the next level for them where they can actually physically transport themselves to these make-believe worlds and all this stuff and they they can role play in this fantasy world but my little pony i just just just, to me there's not enough there
1: i did get to see two bronies full costume i mean full-on costume on the streets of baltimore buying ice cream cones from an ice cream truck (laughs) which i got to tell you is it's a sight to see.
0: My favorite thing about going to convent- conventions and festivals is seeing the cosplayers doing normal people things in costume. <laughs> so <laughs> you you know you like you'll see somebody in this like crazy elaborate predator outfit who is buying a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love I love seeing that.
1: There was there was also an instance where there was uh someone in full outfit. It seemed to be like some mix I've never seen my little pony so maybe this is in the show, but it was like a mix of my little pony costume but with this like galactic warrior hmm. crossover because he had like a sword and stuff and he was walking with his parents. <laughs> and
0: wait, was it a younger person or was he like 35?
1: No, he was he had to be like 18-19 uh something like that or you know somewhere around there and i got to say i got to give a hand to those parents they were just walking with the guy like it was just a regular regular old uh, friday friday night good. in baltimore man
0: that's one of the interesting things in the documentary one of the subjects of the documentary is uh an older guy like a middle-aged man who goes and he doesn't know anything about it and he just kind of goes And it was kind of really interesting to see things from his perspective.
1: I almost went in because there was, like, there was no security and, like, no one was checking badges. So I just wanted to go in and check it out. But I got scared. It was too daunting of a task. I would have. I would have gone in. Scared me. (laughs) Scared. I I couldn't
0: do it. These days, the convention, the con, has (laughs) just exploded. I mean, these conventions are just—they're—they're they're popping up everywhere, and they're so successful and popular. There's cons for everything. There's one actually. There's one happening next weekend here in Pensacola that I'm that I'm going to called Paracon.
1: Paracon. Okay. And
0: it's a, all horror and sci-fi. Ah. Okay. I'm sure it's going to be terrible, but it's like I'm going to go and check it out. <laughs>
1: Oh boy!
0: Oh boy! So let's get into some of what we've been watching. I started off the week with. Are we going to talk about Steel Cold Winter at all, or are we just we're just because we, I can talk about that. If,
1: go for it. I didn't watch it yet, but go for it. Okay. So give, I me, saw, give me
0: give me sights. So I saw Steel Cold Winter. This is directed by Choi Jin Song, and it is uh, it's a Korean film that is screening at Fantasia Fest this year yeah very this is a very dark movie very dark very depressing it's it's kind of a downer the whole time uh so basically it's about this kid who transfers to this small school in the country from he started in seoul but he was having some issues he was having some emotional problems And it was affecting his schooling, so his parents decided to send him out to the country and be in a new school, meet some new people, focus on his studies. He ends up meeting this girl who, she's kind of like the unpopular girl, she doesn't really talk much, and he sort of gets a crush on her, falls in love with her eventually, and it's just what happens in this kind of really... Fucked up town. (laughs) And it just goes from being kind of drab to being very, very dark. And I mean, there's some like serious, I I don't want to give anything away, but there are like some really serious themes going on in this movie.
1: So does it just do like a 180? Kind of sounds like it does a 180. There is,
0: there is a pretty steep tonal shift that occurs Okay. so yes it's it sort of does but it's always kind of like it's one of those movies where from the onset you kind of feel like something's not quite right about this town yeah and things just kind of go from bad to worse oh, really boy. so okay. what you're
1: saying is a movie called Steel Cold Winter is not uplifting yeah basically mm. I can't wait to dive into that one
0: I think you'll like it. Uh, some of the, the the biggest problem I had was the, the, the uh, people that work in this town are really unprofessional. Like the doctors and the teachers, they just feel like they're so unprofessional <laughs> at what they do.
1: Their lack of professionalism really irked you.
0: Yeah, like the teacher that they have is constantly like calling them names and making fun of them. <laughs> and, and it's funny. It's like within the context of the movie, it's funny. But it's like, man, should, should this guy really be a teacher? And the doctor is even more messed up in what he does.
1: Well, it does happen. Remember, I had a teacher that wanted to fight me. Yes. So.
0: Yes. It happens. Um, but it it get it does get very violent at the end too.
1: Okay. All right. I'm looking but forward. But I, I do this recommend one. it. I'm not sure why, but I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Something's drawing me in. It looks
0: really great. I mean, it, it's got this kind of really colorless... It's it's a very colorless movie, but it's done very artfully. And the whole... Obviously, as the title would imply, it, it takes place in this country, but it's during winter, so there's snow everywhere. So everything about the movie feels very cold. And I think that that could be a turnoff for some people because the personalities of the characters within the film are very cold as well like you you don't get this idea that any of these people really care about anything at all and they show very little emotion
1: yeah Mm. i think maybe that's what it is i think i'm drawn to the snow i want to see snow for some reason
0: yeah you see a lot of snow
1: i get i'm gonna get my my snow fill
0: you also see a lot of pigs uh, because okay, this this odd. town, there's like a, a, a pig farm in this town and the pigs get diseases and they bury the pigs alive, which is a particularly disturbing scene because they actually show this happening. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, so that's, that's pretty disturbing. Uh, mm. Yes. It's a very bleak movie. It, it, Sits with you for a while.
1: Again, can't wait to jump into that one. <laughs> I think you will like it though. <laughs> you make it sound so warm and inviting. I'm
0: just preparing you. Okay. I went into it. I went into it knowing absolutely nothing about it. And uh <laughs> it's, uh woof, it's a rough <laughs> ride. Oh boy. <clears throat> I do recommend it though. Steel Cold Winter.
1: Okay. Check okay. it out. Uh, I watched 1947 from uh, Paul Pressburger, Black Narcissist. This is about a group of nuns who decide to set up a school and a hospital in the Himalayas on this like outpost on top of the mountain, and things do not go well for them. Things go terribly wrong. And number one, I gotta say, Jack Cardiff's cinematography and Technicolor is absolutely outstanding it is unbelievable it's just breathtaking shot after breathtaking shot throughout the entire film which is the main highlight without a doubt the the story on the other hand is a bit ridiculous Um, everything seems to be very interesting towards the beginning Uh, I'm very interested to see like where they go with it but unfortunately they take it down this road of melodrama and just essentially outright hysteria. So it sort of turns into an unintentionally funny B movie, mm. which is really disappointing. I mean, I'm sure others can look past it cuz you know that I'm not I'm nowhere even close to being a fan of melodrama. I can't stand it. Mhm. But it, you know, if you if you can get past melodrama, I'm sure you'll love the story. It's they do take these nuns down a uh, particularly dark storyline and the shit gets crazy at the end but the cinematography is just insane and the it looks again it looks unbelievable it looks like it's in the mountains but everything is filmed in a studio lot and the backgrounds you know are just matte paintings and everything mm-hmm. and it's just it's incredible the way that they did this it, it looks like it's on such an epic scale and then in the back of your mind you're like this is all in a studio this is just all make-believe and it's unbelievable. That's something what they we're were just, able we don't we'll yeah. see that anymore. It's just something that they were able to do. And the people behind the, you know, the production design, the costume designers, the the art team just these people were unbelievable at their jobs. The way they, they were just able to suspend belief and just be like, Okay, they're in the Himalayas. It looks like they're in the Himalayas and it's incredible. But again, the story is a little lackluster. And the performances are just... Again, I don't like melodrama. And one character in particular, who is uh, Sister Ruth, who seems to be mentally unstable for some reason, and she gets obsessed with a, uh, an Englishman that, that's kind of the handyman, kind of helps him out, and she just loses her shit. And it becomes... It sort of takes this laughable turn, because her character arc just, like, fast forwards, just skips over everything and just goes from, like, oh, she's a little bit unhealthy to, like, she's just full and crazy. And it's the old stereotypical woman being crazy, you know, 1940s style. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bit too much. And then there's all these other subplot storylines going on that, out of nowhere, it just seems like uh Powell and Pressburger just forgot that they were in the movie. Like, they just end. And they never come back to it. And you're like, w- why was it in there in the first place? Because there's the whole storyline of a, the young general who sort of gets infatuated with this uh, this lower caste girl who is uh, an English woman in brown face. So you have that in there, too, which seemed kind of unnecessary, And especially because they just drop the storyline. It just ends and they never come back to it. And this—I mean, this is considered a classic, and I can see it for the Technicolor cinematography, and again, the all the work behind the production team and the art team and everything. But the story and the acting itself is really disappointing. Hmm. So it's like a light recommend because okay. you—you definitely won't be disappointed by what you're seeing, the imagery. You're not going to be disappointed there. Everything else, yeah, probably.
0: Uh, well, I saw one that you probably will be disappointed with over and over again. Uh actually two. I'll mention them together. <laughs> I saw Sharknado and Sharknado 2, the second one. Ooh. Oh boy.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. So cultural phenomena.
0: It is, which is crazy to me. I watched I watched the first one because I never saw it before and I wanted to see the second one and and just kind of see what all this hubbub was about, you know? Yeah and it's terrible like and i don't mean that because obviously it's going to be terrible it's supposed mm-hmm. to be you know yeah. it's one of these movies that they're like well it's supposed to be bad and cheesy it's supposed to be that way but it's like if you make a movie like this to me it sh- it shouldn't it's bad even even if it's intentionally bad do you know what i mean like
1: i, I always feel like when Filmmakers go in with the intention of making a bad movie that they try too hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's nonstop just them trying to be terrible, and it gets exhausting.
0: Yeah. It's it's ridiculous.
1: Whereas and it's, bad movies, you know, that they were just trying to make a good movie, and it turned out to be terrible, they're much more entertaining.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree. I mean, it's better than Birdemic. It's more watchable than Birdemic, but the f- the first Sharknado is just terrible. I mean, it's just, it's before it caught on, you know, so because of the huge popularity of the first one, with the second one, they were just like, you know what, we're just going to go fucking nuts with this one. Yeah. So with the second one, it's way more, uh, it, it, they know what it is. Like it's it's way more uh, self aware than the first one, and yeah. in the second one, it seems like everybody's in on the joke except the two stars, Ian Ziering and Tara Reed, the guy from 90210 and Tara Reed. <laughs> I feel like they're I feel like they're not in on the joke, but everyone else is. <laughs> like they're they're really I mean they are acting they are acting their asses off.
1: Are they doing method acting? Are they hitting you with some method acting? Well. I just I, maybe their version I, of that. I really wish that Sharknado was that. This was a Michael Moriarty film, because then I think it would work. Oh, it'd be it'd be fantastic. I just want that to happen. I want that to be Sharknado three. Moriarty so first... comes in with his method acting and just kills it.
0: So really, you don't you don't really have to see the first one to enjoy the ridiculousness of the second one. Uh, I will say that the second one is better. Like the it's more over the top and more ridiculous. And let me run down some of the people in this movie because this this alone should be like, okay, yeah, I wanna check that out. So I already mentioned the two leads. It also features Vivica A. Fox. Okay. Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray.
1: Oh, does he get eaten by a shark? Please say yes.
0: Uh yes. 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 Uh Judd Hirsch nice. as a cat as a Uh, is a wacky cab driver oh boy downtown julie brown wow yeah the mtv vj nice uh we got billy ray cyrus and he plays he plays a doctor and there's a particularly awesome scene between that has an interaction between billy ray cyrus and tara reed and it's like (laughs) this really serious like moment that they're having together <laughs> it's like, dude, you're Billy Ray Cyrus. You're playing a doctor. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> the movie's called Sharknado Two. Come on. Uh,
0: Peppa from Salt and Peppa is in it. Oh, really? Andy Dick.
1: Of course, Andy Dick would show. Up.
0: Is in it. Who I didn't even, I didn't even like recognize him. I'm looking at the IMDb and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Judah Freelanders in it.
1: There we go.
0: Prez Hilton. Okay. Is that, does that make sense? Robert Klein plays the mayor of New York. All right. Matt Lauer and Al Roker are in it. They're nice. in it. They're in it quite a lot, actually. <laughs> nice. Um, Marquis.
1: Fantastic.
0: Kelly Osbourne. Kelly Ripa. <laughs> oh. Michael Strahan. <laughs> oh uh, my goodness. Will Wheaton and his wife Ann Wheaton are in it. it.
1: It's so ridiculous. Wow. It's so ridiculous. I noticed, too, that there's a lot of shark movies. A lot of shark movies, like Swamp Shark, and there's Sand Sharks, and of course we've talked about Shark Avalanche. I think there's even another one, Snow Sharks. Well, you know,
0: since Jaws, there's always been a lot of shark movies.
1: But there's no there's no Fire Sharks.
0: No, there's no Fire Sharks. I want,
1: I want Fire Sharks. Is that too much to ask?
0: This one's pretty ridiculous. Uh... I mean, I think you can get your crazy shark fill with with this one. It's the end. The end scene, the scene where the the Sharknado comes to New York and they're <laughs> fighting the Sharknado.
1: How do you fight a Sharknado? I
0: oh, they know. well they try. Bl- In the first one, the way that they spoilers for Sharknado, they <laughs> uh, take a bomb. They drop bombs into the tornado, and the heat from the bomb equalizes the pressure. Of the tornado and causes it to evaporate.
1: So this has sound science behind it.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what Al Roker and and Matt Lauer do in <laughs> in this movie. Is they kind of <laughs> they kind of justify What's the that? the Sharknado.
1: <laughs> Bombing with, Sharknado with
0: science. Hmm. So in this one, they try the bomb thing and it doesn't work because of the cold pressure system mixing with the warm pressure system and the the tornado the shark nato is too cold for the bombs to work so they hatched this plan to go into the empire state building and blow up the freon tanks that are in the empire state building and use lightning to do it <laughs> and i will say there's also a scene where uh, Tara Reed gets her her hand bitten off by a shark and right away I'm like, she's, she's going to put something on that stump. There's something that's going to go on that stump and sure enough she creates a buzz saw nice. like a circular saw <laughs> and sticks it on the end of her hand her stump Fantastic. and uses that.
1: Wow. I could listen to you explain the science behind shark Sharknado's all day. It it all day.
0: It all holds up. It's all. <laughs> it all Thorough- holds up.
1: All thoroughly researched. Yes. All of it could happen. And it's funny though because day.
0: there's like there's like thousands and thousands of sharks. I mean they're just everywhere. They're in pools. They're, uh, it's unbelievable.
1: What happens to the sharks like after after a while after they touch down, so to say.
0: Uh, mostly they just eat people and then die.
1: Okay. So what do they do with all the dead sharks? I'm I'm just I'm imagining New York City littered with dead sharks. It just probably is, yeah. Rotting. Yeah. There was a
0: scene where there was a scene where uh the sharks got into the subway system. Okay. And that was pretty ridiculous. It was eating people on a subway train.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sharknados.
0: Although, I will say, one of my favorite parts about the first Sharknado is the scene where... Because, of course, the, the main guy plays a professional surfer. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a scene where the, he's surfing, and it looks like the fakest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> and then there's a, another scene where him and his buddy are riding on a jet ski, and it looks so ridiculous.
1: Oh, boy.
0: I will say that the second one looks better. Like, the effects work... Is better done in the yeah. second one, but it's still <laughs> completely garbage.
1: Wow, these, not, I, I
0: still don't recommend either of them, though.
1: It's still again that's still something that I don't. It's another thing that I don't understand. People, you know, spending time and money and semi-efforts to make these movies, and then well, when you look them. at
0: the returns, I mean,
1: but why I don't
0: the second one killed the first one, and the first one was huge for sci-fi. That's just bizarre to me. People just like to watch these things and laugh at them, because they're silly. Hmm.
1: Alright. And, and now we
0: have uh, Sharktopus versus Terracuda starring Conan O'Brien.
1: Yes. Yes, please.
0: <laughs> Produced by the great Roger Corman as well.
1: Fantastic. It's getting out of hand with these sharks.
0: I still don't... <clears throat> I have a real problem with movies that are intentionally bad like this, though. Because to me, it just doesn't work.
1: No. Like I said, I think they just try too hard. They end up trying entirely too hard.
0: And Tara Reid is horrible. What? <laughs> she is so terrible in this. First of all, she looks like she's about 55 years old. She is not aged well at all.
1: You're telling me Tara Reid does not possess acting skills. Is that what you're trying to say?
0: No, she got worse as an actor. Wow. Which I'm—I mean, I'm not really sure how that happens, but
1: apparently it does. Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, that's that's all I have to mention this week.
1: Oh, okay. Leave it to me. I watched another uh, Fantasia Fest movie, The Desert. Yeah, I, I do want to see this. I'm interested. This is this is uh, this is quite an interesting movie. Uh, I didn't know much about it going in, other than it's two guys and a woman sort of hold up in their residence, which they have, you know, sort of elaborately fortified, and it's just them, like, waiting out the zombie apocalypse trying to survive. So that's all I knew going in. But the interesting thing about this movie is there's almost no zombie action in this film. So if you're looking for zombie action and gore and all that kind of stuff, the desert does not have that, except for, like one scene maybe
0: don't they they end up like finding they do find a zombie they
1: they spend their time playing games right they play board games they play board games like risk and stuff they also do truth or dare and the two guys seem to be sort of um obsessed with staring contest so one of the dares becomes you know the one guy has to do a staring contest with a zombie Hmm. so occasionally Two of them, you know, they have all these rules. They sort of made up this, like, constitution. And they have this rule that only two people are allowed to go out into the outside to gather supplies and stuff. And one person has to stay at the house. So the one day, the two guys have to leave to get supplies and everything. And when they return, they have a zombie. And they sort of tie him up in the living room. And this guy practices staring contests with the zombie. He also uses the zombie as a punching bag. And the woman spray paints the zombie's face. And they also name it Pythagoras. (laughs) So, but in all honesty, the zombies really don't play a part in this movie other than it's just a device used to, you know, keep them trapped in the house Mm -hmm. and keep them them stuck with each other. And it's more about this, you know, they're trying to make this relationship work where it's, you know, a three-way relationship. And things fell apart in the past, and they sort of unearth things as it goes. And then alliances are made, and they shift, and then people's privacy are invaded, and, you know, everyone gets pissed off at each other. And it's just, it's really interesting the way that it goes. And the fact that they're stuck in the house, and there's this looming threat of the zombie apocalypse, every scene is just drenched in tension. And you always think something's going to happen, like at any second. It's just a really tense watch.
0: Yeah, I do really I, want to see this. I, I like
1: I zombie movies.
0: That, I like zombie movies that try something different. Like that's why I liked the Battery so much. I was much. gonna
1: say I did see some, um, and I think I remember when you talked about the Battery. It sort of sounds like that, where it's not really about zombies or the zombie apocalypse. It's just about people like trying to survive it and survive mm-hmm. each other. And that's really what this is. So if you're looking for zombie action, the desert does not have it. So don't go in with that expectation.
0: I think these days, a lot of people that are fans of the zombie genre, they're looking for the character moments. They're not specifically looking for the, you know, running from the, the zombies and the crazy action. Like, I think these days, that's not what we're looking for in it because it's been done. Yeah. yeah. You know, the more, to me, the more interesting things are the more intimate stories of survival and how a situation like this can affect your relationships
1: and things like that and the the three performances from the three leads they're, they're fantastic they really sort of uh you know keep this movie on their shoulders and move it along and there's this like nice mix of they do this thing where they have like videotaped confessionals where they have like this office where you can go in and just sort of let out your emotions and everything, and they put them in this lockbox. So it so it switches between the digital film recording and then the video, like their confessionals. So it's constantly switching between those, and the cinematography is you know really tight, close up, handheld type stuff, mm-hmm. and it's just it really adds the tension. It's it's something else. I really enjoyed it.
0: You should definitely check out the battery now.
1: I do want to see the battery
2: now.
0: Because the majority of that movie is just two dudes stuck in a car.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, the one of the guys in this film is like an engineer. So their house is like elaborately set up. They have, you know, all sorts of amenities. They actually have really cozy existence. It's just occasionally they break to you know, fire off automatic rifles at oncoming zombies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to check this one out. I I wanted to watch it this week, but I just didn't.
1: I I definitely recommend it. It's good stuff. And then one other one that I watched was Le Cousins, which this is completely different (laughs) from 1955. (laughs) This is uh, Claude Chambrel's sophomore effort, uh, his follow-up to Le Bossage. And it's interesting in the sense that Le Bossage took place in the countryside where it had um, Gerard Ballon and Jean-Claude Berlali as the main characters and here he casts the same two actors but switches the roles and then switches the setting so in the first film it was you know the educated city dweller coming back to his old countryside home and having to deal with it and here in the cousins it's the kid from the countryside coming to the city and trying to deal with his you know trying to graduate from college. And it is a huge step down from Chambril's debut, which I thought was fantastic. The Cousins is just an absolute bore. Mm. It is so one note, very simplistic. You know, the kid from the country is poor and nothing works out for him. The kid from the city is wealthy and has connections and everything just miraculously works out perfectly for him time and time again and it's just that for 112 minutes it's just it was an absolute disappointment again the only thing that really saves it is the cinematography which is they do some interesting stuff but man the only other thing of note would be the performance from uh Brially, which I, I i'm not saying that right i'm not even close but <laughs> he plays he plays the you know the rich Playboy partier that lives in the city, Paul, and he has this like bizarro goatee. You know how, like, the bizarro version always has a goatee? Yeah, <laughs> he has that, he has that, and it's like an immaculate goatee. the evil twin. Yeah, he is the evil twin from the first movie. I don't know if he did that on purpose, like, he gave him the goatee to make that distinction, but fuck, it worked because that goatee just pissed me off to no end. I don't know why goatees piss me off. And he plays—he brilliantly plays this like overconfident douchebag that just everything works out for him, and he's just—he has so much pride and confidence, and he has this swagger to him, and he's just a prick. Hmm. Just 112 minutes of him being a prick, which apparently he's really good at, because I've—I—I I've, haven't hated a character like this in a long time, and I've—I detested this guy. And everything works out for him because his friend Clovis takes care of everything. He just bribes Clovis with money, and then Clovis takes care of it. And the guy's name is Clovis. 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 (laughs) It's ridiculous, because at the end of the film... Okay, I understand that this movie is made in 1959, and they sort of do this Chekhov's gun type thing at the end where they keep showing this gun, and they show this gun, and they just telegraph it for like 15 minutes. And I don't know if people... I'd be really surprised if people were surprised that the gun goes off back in 1959. Because when you watch it now, you're like, Jesus Christ, I get it. That gun's going to be used. You keep showing it offhandedly for the last 10 minutes. I know something's going to happen. Please stop. So that was really irritating as well. So I do not I do not uh I do not recommend the cousins. Stay away from that one.
0: All right. I probably will. Oh, you're not doesn't really look like my type of thing anyway.
1: It's not your type of thing? Nah. Doesn't look like it. Nah, probably not.
0: Doesn't look like it. Alright, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Ernie Trinidad. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, sir?
2: I am doing good, sir. How about yourself?
0: Doing pretty well. So this is directed by James Gunn. I have a synopsis here. In the far reaches of space, an American pilot named Peter Quill finds himself the object of a manhunt after stealing an orb coveted by the villainous Ronin. Now, uh, you have a review up on the site for this. So I think that I'll go ahead and start it off. And I will say that Marvel has, what is this, their ninth movie? Tenth. Tenth. So this is their 10th movie, and they've done it again. I think that with Guardians of the Galaxy, this was probably their riskiest movie yet. Mm. And I will say that this may be one of my favorite Marvel movies. And I feel like I say that every time we review one of these Marvel movies. I know I said it with Captain America. I said it was one of my favorite ones, Captain America 2. (laughs) And this one was just... It reminded me so much of Star Wars, you know, it, like it just it right. captured everything that I love about Star Wars and it was funny and it, it had so much great action and I loved the characters. Now, I won't I won't say that it's a flawless film because I did have some issues with it, but they were mostly nitpicks. Um, yeah. So w- what are your what are your general thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? How did you feel about it?
2: Initially, when they announced Guardians of the Galaxy as their next film, this was a couple of years ago. I w- I didn't know anything about the Guardians, so of course I had to go look them up. And when I learned that two of the main characters is a talking raccoon and a talking tree, and right aw- right off the bat, I'm like, okay, I don't know about this. So like okay, now, I'm thinking maybe they're too big in their britches. Like, oh, let's just do it. But um, so I was like, okay. And it wasn't until I guess it was last year. Uh, that they showed the first footage from the film, which ended up being the trailer. And Don basically got set the tone right, and you could totally buy into this universe. Uh, and it's like after that, I just couldn't wait to see the film. And with a year of anticipation, the film did not disappoint. And there's some, like I just said, there were some like nitpicking here and there, but um, there, there were some flaws that brought the film down just as, they're still a little bit
0: funny me, but still overall, it's just a blast. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the trailers were what really got me hooked on this movie. I thought that the trailers were so well done. and one of the one of the concerns I had was that because the trailers were so kind of quirky and weird and funny, I was worried that they weren't gonna bring a lot of that stuff into the movie. I was concerned that the movie would have like a different tone than the trailers did and i right. was really glad to see that they brought all that stuff in like from the from the opening scene when uh chris pratt as peter quill star lord when he goes to that planet just that opening scene like it's it kind of sets the stage for the whole movie and you know that this is going to be a pretty fun ride and that's that that was one thing that i liked a lot i loved that opening title sequence i thought it was awesome
2: yeah and it's uh, just a uh who hasn't thought of doing something like that if you wandered into a big open <laughs> mm-hmm. environment and you know there's absolutely nobody in the house and you happen to have like your Walkman, if it was the 80s, or, or your iPod with you? You wouldn't want to do a cut of rug. Yeah, exactly.
0: And that, that kind of brings me to the other thing that I liked so much about this movie was the, the style of it. It felt very, it felt like James Gunn was allowed to have some creative control over this movie and with a lot of the other Marvel movies, like you can kind of see like in Iron Man three, you can kind of feel like, you know, Shane Black's touch in there. But to me, this one felt like the most, uh, create, it was like Marvel let him be as expressive as he wanted. Uh, a lot of the actors from like Slither are in this movie. Uh, and a lot of the, Kind of creatures and some of the things that happened in this movie just kind of reminded me of, of Slither in a way. And it it just, uh, like the music and everything, and it felt very much like how James Gunn presented Slither and Super. So I, I was really glad to see that because it feels like it has a defined style. It doesn't just fit into the Marvel mold of movies, you know?
2: Yeah, it has the, uh, the benefit of, like we mentioned, this is the 10th film in, I guess, six years, I guess. And this is the first one where they're going off book because all the films, starting with Iron Man 1, have just been, A, building up the Avengers, or B, setting up the next character. And uh, this one is just, uh, while they're loosely set up the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, a couple of the films, that this is where now we're introduced to who these guys are. And they're basically unbeholden to, to the Avengers universe. Mm-hmm. And um, they're basically in their own environment. And so they could technically just branch these franchises off separately, do their own thing, and every now and then cross them over if they want. But um, yeah, it's a pretty sh- pretty shrewd move on their part.
0: <laughs> and, that, and that was the other thing that I liked about this movie is that we're being introduced to a slew of new characters. These are people we've never seen before. Most people that even our into comic books aren't too familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And the way that it's presented, it doesn't feel like um, that it's a Sony movie or, or one of the even one of the earlier Fox Marvel properties where as I'm watching it, I just feel like uh, you know there's just this is all just set up to the next one and we just have to get through this one so that we can get on to the next thing. That's a big complaint that I have a lot about the, like the Spider-Man movies. This one felt like a solid origin story of these people. And I, and we, they packed in a lot of information. Like they gave us Mm -hmm. enough exposition so that we got to know these characters. Obviously star Lord gets more of a backstory than the others, but even like rocket and Groot, we get to know a little bit about their history Through, even if it's just one small scene, like the scene where at the beginning where uh, Rocket's getting changed, you know, like that's that just that small scene where they show his back when he's not wearing a shirt that lets us know volumes about him and his background. And I really like that a lot. That being said, I did think that there were some scenes that had a little too much exposition, like when they first introduced um, David. Batista's character of Drax like that scene mm-hmm. felt a little exposition-y to me where he's like do you know who I am and then the uh, one prisoner huh. was like yeah you're Drax blah 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 yeah. that, that, that felt a little too much to me but uh, one of the other issues I had was just the overall uh, first of all I'll say that I love this world that they created I want more of this I'm, I'm really glad that they already announced Guardians 2 and that James Gunn's going to be directing that one Because I want more of this world. Uh, But that being said, the the main plot of this movie left a little bit to be desired for me because I didn't really understand who these different races of people were that were like warring the planets. You know, like I didn't understand Lee Pace's motivation for wanting to do this very much. And it felt like a lot of that stuff was just kind of underdeveloped. Like I, I was yeah. confused about the different planets and then they had a peace treaty or something, but then Lee Pace was going to break it and try to blow up this other planet and all the kind of, you know, federation stuff, like the political stuff. I didn't really understand that completely. And I felt like it was a little bit right. underdeveloped. Yeah, that
2: was, uh, one of my complaints was, uh, that Ronin was kind of like underwhelming as a villain. He was pretty much a stereotypical, uh, pit bull, mad pit bull, uh, barking orders, mm-hmm. intimidating kind of villain. But overall, he was really, there was really nothing about him that
0: <laughs> right. would
2: even warrant the Avengers' attention.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of reminded me of but, like, um, uh, a lesser Thanos or something. Or actually, you know who he reminded me of was the Eric Bana character in that, in the Star Trek.
2: Oh, uh, Nero. Yeah, Nero. Yeah, from, uh, the first reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess he would probably be on the same level, not not exactly the same, but like uh, less of a, almost on the level of sort of like the uh, Jeff Bridges character or Mickey Rourke's character from Iron Man One and Two, <laughs> because it's like uh, he wasn't exactly memorable. I mean, he looked great, mm-hmm. but his actions were like, yeah, 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 another guy wants to take over the world, whatever. It's like there, there's just nothing there. I guess because it's the first time we're seeing him and we don't have, to, don't have the opportunity to develop him like a Loki or something like that, or a Red Skull. Right, yeah. But um, but uh, now it's like, now it makes me wonder, it's like, okay, that's cool, but how's Thanos going to turn out? So I'm hoping it doesn't go in the same direction. Right, yeah. The, yeah. Uh,
0: I guess it should be mentioned that Thanos was in this as a villain, and then we also have the Collector in this as another somewhat villain, And Michael Rooker could be looked at as a villain in this also. So, got a lot of bad people in this movie.
2: Yeah, and uh, the movie does require second viewings to uh, catch any dialogue you may have missed.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I I do want to see this again. Because I know that there were certain things that I didn't pick up on. Especially with a lot of what uh, Glenn Close was saying. As as, uh, she played Nova Prime. Like, I think that that's where... Some of the stuff that they discussed, I, I didn't pick up on. So I'll be interested yeah, to see was it like, again. Uh,
2: there were some pieces of dialogue regarding uh, Quill Bad that I didn't pick up initially on the first viewing. Yeah. I, and uh, then now on the second viewing, I'm like, oh, that's what so-and-so said. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Like,
0: Yeah, I, and that was another thing. Like, I did think that... First of all, the dialogue I, I thought was great in this, especially anything uh-huh. comedic. I thought that all the humor really landed for me. I thought it was a really funny movie, by far the funniest Marvel movie so far. Uh, we'll have to see. We'll yeah. have to see if Ant Man is is funnier than this. But um, I love. So I loved all the comedic elements. I loved the dynamic of the team. I thought that they worked really good as a team. Uh uh-huh. but. I thought that some of the dialogue got a little bit too cheesy at times. Like there were certain beats that I was just like, nah, I'm not really almost cost an eye roll, but not quite make it there. It's like some of the interaction between uh, Zoe Saldana and Chris Pratt. I was just like, nah, I'm not really, not really buying this. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully the two of them can work in
0: their chemistry together. Yeah. And, again, that's more of a nitpick than anything. And, and the, the scene yeah. at the end, like what they have to do to stop this big thing from happening. I'm not going to spoil anything, yeah. but that felt a little silly to me. Yeah.
2: That was, but, yeah, that was uh, my eye roll moment. Like, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, fine, but whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it, it wasn't enough to really bring it down too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about... One of the things I liked about Chris Pratt's character, and he was fantastic in this, was that he really felt like a man out of time to me. Like Because yeah. in, in the film, he, he leaves Earth when he's young. He leaves Earth in 1988, I think it was. And so yeah. because he wasn't here on Earth for changes in pop culture and things like that, he's still listening to his old Walkman with his awesome mix volume one on it. Yeah. And that's, that's used as the soundtrack in the movie. And I think that that was really great that they did that. What did you think of uh, his character or maybe any of the other characters?
2: Um, I could totally buy into someone being lost in time because when he left earth, that was all he knew and he spent the next 26 years, the new culture But all he knew was the Earth of the '80s, so and that that was his that was his uh, childhood, and um, and how all the other characters relate to it. um, I'm guessing they must have had exposure to Terran life in some way, (laughs) because it seems like some people picked up on other elements. I mean, obviously, rocket must have been picked up on Earth, unless we don't know about other. Planets and universes that actually have raccoon. We well, yeah, see that's
0: what I wasn't sure of because uh, at one point somebody he calls him a raccoon and he goes, "What's a raccoon?" So he, like he wasn't yeah. familiar with that. So I was like, "Okay, well, does that mean that he was not experimented on on Earth? That maybe he got picked up on Earth?" Yeah, I'm and, thinking
2: they just whatever it was just grabbed some random creature and whatever sentient being that is, Rocket was just thrown in there. Yeah. So. He could have been—he could have been a blowfish from, hmm. <laughs> but I don't know if that would work. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, all the characters—I like all the characters. Uh, Groot was—Vin uh, Diesel was great, and the character was great. But he, after a while, he kind of got like just Groot. Um, i will have him more, do more in the next one.
0: Well, uh, the thing about Groot and- is that he—they made him so overpowered. In the movie now, I don't know how powerful he is in the comic books, but I mean he is like, especially towards the end, you can really see how powerful he is. Like he's a he's yeah. just a beast. I mean he can just do anything. Especially one of my favorite scenes was the the one involving the the henchmen that were coming after them down the hall and what Groot did. Oh yeah, <laughs> I thought that that yeah. whole thing was great. And I, yeah, I loved him as a character. I love the fact that all he said was, I am Groot. Although that mm-hmm. does lead to one of my other, a huge eye roll moment towards the end. Again, <laughs> I'm not going to reveal, but you know exactly what yeah. I'm talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, I yeah. liked rocket a lot. I thought the way that they animated him looked really good. I was able to,
2: yeah. After yeah watching it with thanks to Cooper. And it's like, after a while, you just forget you're watching yeah. a raccoon thing. Yeah. Uh, this uh, was just some alien.
0: It, it was. It
2: looked like a raccoon. Yeah. Whatever. It was
0: easy for me to <laughs> believe that there's really a little, little raccoon, uh, humanoid raccoon person there on screen. And I thought that that was great. Um, any other highlights that you want to talk about or any other issues you may have had with it?
2: Um,. Issues. I guess my only concerns were, again, were uh, Ronin wasn't as villainous as one would hope and didn't make a lasting impact. And then uh, I guess one of the problems I had was the character motivation and allegiances, especially when you're dealing with Nebula and Gamora, where they're like, okay, you're on. when you're first introduced to them, they're clearly on the side of Ronin, and then they're getting like varying backstories of involvement with Thanos, and then... Allegiance has changed like okay, there's going to be a deal where someone's going to say they're betraying this person or they're not betraying the person Then this other person is actually not betraying the right. other person This person is going to change sides because it just seems like the right thing to do I'm like like Too so much of that was bouncing around my head and Instead of just like I don't need the shot It's like I didn't need the shot But It was like oh my god I can't believe you actually betrayed them I was like just be straightforward than that but, um,
0: uh, oh, I will, but other than that I really I will say that I like the the way that Nebula, Karen Gillan's character looked, mm-hmm. she looked really crazy in that movie.
2: That's that's another one where I was totally caught unawares as to what exactly she is. Yeah, she was, was like, like
0: some kind of weird. Uh, she's like a cyborg. Like part of I her guess. was robotic. I
2: know, I'm like I'm like why when you're looking at character even on second viewing I'm like um, you're watching I was like okay she's working. I was like, I guess she's got a robotic arm. I was like, okay, whatever. And there's like no mention of what she is, and then when you see her in action, and something happens, and you're like, huh? And so like, oh my god, she's just like, I didn't know she was that. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, anyway, that was all confusing. But I guess um, favorite moments. Uh, did you happen to see this? in uh, I'm actually. I did. Yeah. There were um, two moments, maybe three. Where the 3D effect actually bleeds off the the frame frame. and bleeds over into the mat lines. Yep. Where the uh, there was like one moment where a lizard is thrown into the air and then its tail clearly crosses over the mat line and is actually on the screen. And then there's the second half, second part where uh, Groot is trying to revive someone and they cough up yellow pus that flies into the air and that actually goes over the mat line like. Like that was a nice subtle, mm-hmm. uh, subtle, uh, move on guns part. And that's something you're not going to, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to see that in the, uh, in the 2d version. I, um,
0: I didn't see it in 2d. I, I may go see it again and I'll be looking for that.
2: Yeah. And uh, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you'll even see it in the 3d version because in the 3d version. I, I guess they use mats on like actual mats on the screen that mm-hmm. like, uh, and actually, uh, make it the uh, proper aspect ratio. So, but because IMAX is just the open screen, so he was able to utilize everything, even in moments where it wasn't supposed to. <laughs> now, did they? So I kind of like those. Little,
0: did they shoot some of this in IMAX? I don't believe
2: so. But um, Gunn said that he had every intention of having the movie fluctuate aspect ratio, like Dark Knight did. So, and like the Dark Knight, he did it wisely and smartly, and not like haphazardly like Michael Bay would do.
0: Did the did the aspect um, ratio change like during the action sequences? Because I didn't even notice. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's why. in many cases, you won't even notice that the aspect ratio changes. Yeah. I, like um, the second time I saw it, the aspect ratio was the two three five. Up until it it blows up and the title comes across screen and Peter Quill is dancing across the screen. Mm-hmm that's when it first changes into
0: the full climax oh. and
2: then it's just, and it just changes around. It's like, uh, it just goes back and forth. You don't even notice it.
0: But <laughs> does it do like what they did in transformers four where with that one, the aspect ratio actually, ch- it'd be the same scene and it would change f- like from cut to cut. Did they do that no. in this or was it just, no. or was it more like the dark night, which is the way it's supposed to it be more like
2: dark Knight. Yeah, it was more like the Dark Knight, where didn't where it was basically if there was like just a cutscene, like a like a five-second uh, establishment shot, uh, mm-hmm. that'll stay in the full frame, and then it'll come back to the regular aspect ratios, stuff like that. Not like I haven't even seen Transformers 4. Now that you mentioned that they <laughs> that they, it change from shot to shot, I'm like I'm kind of glad I haven't yeah. I even seen. it.
0: I didn't see it either, but I <laughs> heard that that's what they do but, in it.
2: Oh. Um, But yeah, but it is, it looks great in IMAX 3D. I've seen it twice in IMAX 3D, and that's the version I would prefer to see.
0: Yeah, I would would also recommend seeing it in IMAX 3D, because uh, one thing that we didn't really mention too much was that there are some big epic battles in this movie, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some big space battles, which I thought were awesome. Like the yeah,
2: and even even just the vistas that they they created mm-hmm. for the uh, the backgrounds or like I was like oh this was so cool you just want to like get somebody to pause it and just so you can just take it all in and see what's going on like when they first arrived at uh, was it uh, was it Evermore? I have no Evermore? idea.
0: See so that is I have no idea. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the
2: the, the big head. Yeah, thing. the head. <laughs> so when they're arriving at the you're like whoa. That was awesome. <laughs> Crazy and. And then they go inside and like, wow, it's like taking off. There's like just so much going on. It didn't, and uh, and
0: the crazy thing was it, for the most part, it didn't even feel like a Marvel movie. Like you had to keep reminding yourself and then, mm -hmm. and then anytime one of the, like uh, the collector or Thanos show up, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, they were Uh, the other ones. So here's the connection. But other than that, it just feels like a, a big space opera like Star Wars. Yeah. Like it's it's very. Now, sci-fi. I want to put it in the
2: same league as Star Wars, but uh, I can definitely understand the uh, the comparisons.
0: Oh, I I think uh, definitely yeah. the comparisons, and I think that these that this is better than the prequels for sure. Uh,
2: sure, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I think that this is what the prequels were striving to be. I mean, this movie takes place in this fully realized world, but also has ties to the existing Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think that this yeah. movie could potentially open up this Marvel Universe uh, for so many opportunities. I mean, we get so many new characters, yeah. and, you know, you know...
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, like, so many villains that are from the Guardians of the Galaxy, because obviously not a lot of people... Well, now people are going to know all those Guardians because they're going to be clamoring for yeah. comics and reading up on their history, so they're going to be like, okay, this villain hasn't shown up. This villain hasn't shown up yet. Like like I was mentioning earlier, it's like they can just have these two franchises branch off, do their own thing. Like a whole Guardians of the Galaxy universe is their thing. The Avengers is doing their own thing, and at any given time they want, they can bring them together if, if the need comes. Like with Thanos, I can only like imagine if if it turns out that Avengers three is like the ultimate crossover of Guardians and Avengers against Thanos. That's just going to be freaking. Well, amazing. they did
0: it. They did announce that. The two will be crossing over, so they Oh, they did yeah, do that. Yep. So it is in the works that the Guardians and the Avengers will meet. Yeah. We don't know when. I
2: mean, not. Yeah. I mean, I'm just waiting for that moment where Tony Stark or Iron Man, whatever he ha- happens to be wearing, meets Rocket, and just the exchange. Oh yeah. To on
0: it's it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> it's gonna so. be amazing. Um, I don't think we need to go into a spoiler discussion, but without giving away the stinger what did you think of that
2: Mm -hmm. um unfortunately i had the stinger spoiled for me in advance but um i happen to be a (laughs) fan of his previous incarnation (laughs) So, so when he mentioned this like i thought I thought it was just gonna be like a mere cameo where he happened to be like noticed walking across the screen because when I was watching there's like there's so many alien creatures and so many scenes from the prison to to the bars to whatever right. that any any given character could walk across and I'm like oh my God, that's so and so And I was not expecting to see this one character at the end of the movie in his in his current incarnation that looks very much like he looks in the comic book.
0: yeah, it was animatronic too. So. If I'm not mistaken, it? it looked animatronic to really? me. Maybe I, maybe it was just but, the way I saw it and it was CG, but to me it looked animatronic.
2: Yeah, it could have been because they relied a lot on practical effects in on this one. So, but um, it wasn't surprising that uh, it definitely took audiences by. The oh time. my
0: God, my my theater just erupted. Wouldn't that
2: like everybody was like uh, you could almost hear a pin drop? And the first time I saw it, and it was like I was like what. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was that was really fun. I was glad to see that. Yeah. Cuz I didn't um, uh, so cuz I I knew that it got spoiled before the movie came out. That so, somehow that got spoiled. So, I was aware that it was floating around on the internet, so I just kind of put the blinders on with everything Guardians of the Galaxy until I saw it.
2: But um, as it turns out, thanks to a second viewing, um, what I thought how I thought he was originally gonna be introduced you can make him out in the collector's room. oh you can see so, you
0: can see him in there
2: So if you haven't seen the film and you don't know who we're talking about just keep an eagle eye out on On the background of the collector's room, and you'll notice someone there that may look familiar <laughs> So but yeah, that was a surprise and I'm hoping that one of those open Marvel dates down in the future actually has this character's name penciled in there.
0: I uh, I highly doubt that. that would be honestly, amazing. I I just can't see that <laughs> <laughs> happening. Uh, I think that yeah. that is. I think that's pretty much what we're gonna get with him. But that's fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, any any yeah. other thoughts on the movie in, in general or any specifics?
2: Um, basically, forget everything that you've seen in the previous nine films. This is far removed from it. I mean, granted, and you don't even have to have seen the previous nine films to actually get into this. Um, They're pretty, pretty well established who the villains are. It's just they don't. They need to work on the development of the villains. But um, it's still a, a fun ride. Uh, It'll make you eagerly await in the second one.
0: Now, this killed it at the box office, too. I should note that. 94 million dollars. Yeah
2: yeah from the previous estimates of sixty five, which was everybody was saying so this one'
0: destroyed destroyed this weekend. and I mean, I, I don't know if the Sunday Sunday numbers probably aren't even in yet. so it's they're currently estimating ninety four million this weekend had the biggest uh, August opening ever. and I think yep. that it was
2: uh, the third biggest of the year
0: third biggest of the year. and I know that it also, I think maybe, was the highest Thursday night opening. I know that it, it was either, if it wasn't the highest, then it was like one of the highest Thursday night openings. Mm. So, yep. yeah, needless to say.
2: Yeah, yeah. so needless to say, as you were saying earlier, this once again set the bar. I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as the previous ones, but each, of late, each subsequent post-Avengers uh, Marvel movie has been really good. So now it's... uh a balls back in the court of the Avengers to carry on that tradition.
0: Yeah, so we have to wait till May now for our next Marvel movie. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. May is Avengers. July is Ant Man. Then May twenty sixteen is Cap two, and then Guardians isn't until July twenty seventeen.
0: Hmm. Oh so, man.
2: But we got a lot of a lot of other titles to fill fill the gaps.
0: <laughs> it leaves a lot of room for a lot of speculation now while i have you here so you were at comic-con D- did you see anything cool at comic-con I, like everything's been reported to death i feel i feel like this year more than any other year i felt like i was there yeah. even though i wasn't there
2: yeah yeah um probably was more fun not being there than being there it was probably the most ridiculous con i've gone to in all the years i've gone uh literally i was in line uh 18 hours Ugh just to get into that, that Saturday panel line, We weren't even anticipating getting in line for that long. It was just, everything just, a perfect storm just formed and we're like, we gotta bite the bullet, we gotta get in line now. Or like or like, we're like, really? But uh, thankfully the payoffs were, um, the Batman v Superman footage was totally unannounced. That wasn't even on the, uh, on the schedule. Um, me, I was like, okay, but uh, audiences are eating the uh, audience in Hall H ate it up. And they loved it. But I was like thinking, yeah, whatever.
0: Well, really, does doesn't the audience at Hall H eat everything up? Um,
2: yes and no. Um, Mad Max: Fury Road. Uh, finally, finally, we get to see the footage, and I'm sure you've seen the trailer. But there was more right, shown yeah. at Hall H than what they showed on the trailer, and that looks amazing. I gotta say, I
0: cannot- I am so excited for that movie. I can it looks so awesome. I can't wait.
2: Yeah, it's like it's it's just the car chases alone and what he's doing with the car chases, which is which is Mildred's signature is the car chases in the first three films, but there's just the world he he, he creates in this new one is like just like Thunderdome where they created a the whole new world. But um but just the footage that they show and we thought we were just gonna get real quick and we get just like tons of scenes and everybody's like going and going insane for that. Um, I guess another big thing was uh, the teaser. I, I I wouldn't officially call it a teaser, but what they plan on doing with Godzilla two, and I don't know if it's shown up on online yet, but it basically teases the the monsters that'll show up in two or the next few Godzilla. Yeah, I think they announced, it was uh, is, uh, Mothra which, and yeah, Rodan. Which is uh, Mothra, Rodan, and uh, King Ghidorah. Oh, okay. So, and the way it was, like, uh, the way the trailer unfolded was, um, like, military, like, uh, service video, and they are like, uh, talking about Mutos, and talking about Godzilla, but then they are saying, it's like, and we discovered he's not the only one. See? And so, and was, so, and then they so, and then they reveal the other three creatures. So. so, you think that
0: that was more of, like, a, a viral marketing teaser type thing, rather than, probably wasn't anything that will be in the movie, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely more of a viral type thing, just because, like they were saying, it, Godzilla 2 isn't going to happen until uh, uh, Gareth is done with his uh, Star Wars spin
0: on. Oh, okay, so but, that'll be quite a but, while. But, uh,
2: yeah, it's still a few years away, and Warner said, no, wait, they're, they're not going to give it to somebody else.
0: That's good, so, that's good.
2: So even though they're like, hey, yeah, most studios are like, no, we got to get the season going now, 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 and they he's the man behind it, so. Oh, wait, it's, it's a Lucasfilm, so. I mean, remember remember and, back uh, in the
0: days when we'd have to wait for years and years for a sequel? And now it's like... Yeah. Every year, we get a new Spider-Man and a new fucking mm. Hobbit or whatever. It's just like, yeah.
2: ugh. Yeah, it's like back in the day, like, the lesser time, like, police academy, there was, like, one every year.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, and, um... And, of course, in the big one with the Marvel one, where, uh... The footage from Avengers 2 was just, holy shit.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't leak online, or maybe it did, and I just didn't
2: yeah, pick spriced. up on it. Yeah, I'm totally surprised, uh, but just the footage that they showed, I would say it tonally, it's Avengers mixed in with Winter Soldier. Hmm. and uh, So you got the comedy elements of Avengers, and but just like the seriousness of Winter, not, not the political entry, but the seriousness of what goes on. In the footage that they showed, it was like this is like shit hitting the fan in this one, <laughs> <laughs> and the audience was like dying and like oh my god, oh my god, and then it's like, uh, and then it ends. The stinger of the footage was like uh, really dark, and audibly you could hear like gas and like 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 oh shit, what just happened, <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends, and then standing ovation from the entire hall. None, none of the other panels Even the Batman v Superman thing Even when when uh, Snyder brought out Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman It's like they didn't get a standing ovation The Hobbit didn't get a standing ovation Like only the Avengers got a standing ovation hmm. And then it's like everybody was going nuts Then they brought all the Avengers out again hmm.
0: Did you see <laughs> so anything that, was, yeah. that maybe was A smaller title Or anything that maybe Kind of flew under the radar oh, Yeah,
2: yeah. call Island
0: a Skull Island, okay.
2: Totally, totally uh, nobody knew that was coming. Everybody thought the trailer was Jurassic World. And it it sounded like Jurassic World. The way it was played in Sturass it looked like it was they were back on Eastland Nublar and then out of nowhere King Kong shows up. We're like, what?
0: That was during the Legendary yeah. panel, though, right? Yeah, so. that was
2: that was the last thing that they did on the Legendary panel. Oh, we got one more thing, and then uh, they showed that, and then it's Skull Island, that's all it was. It was just a teaser before they even had a, they don't even have a director yet. Hmm. And uh, so they were just announcing the property.
0: Well, so, how, um, what is, because Peter Jackson's King Kong, what was that, mm-hmm. what studio was that under? It was Universal. Yeah, and But I don't think Legendary was involved, though. And is Legendary? Are they a subsidiary of Universal?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, legendary jump ship from Warner to uh, Universal. Okay. Because uh, I was wondering so, oh, how I'm,
0: they got the rights for the King Kong, and I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was confused. I was a little confused about that.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure yet though who's releasing Pacific Rim. Hmm. So, uh, that might be Universal. Or it might still be Warner. But another one was uh, the screen footage for Crimson Peak. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's next one, which is like haunted house type of gothic tale, which actually looks good. And the uh, the panel ended with him getting a a a uh, poll of the audience of Hellboy three oh, yeah, about or that. or the Mountain of Madness. <laughs> but um, but everyone knows. But fortunately, the producers at Legendaries later on said that. Uh, when they talk about Hellboy 3 and they said we heard you. So, so hopefully that means good things.
0: Hopefully. I mean, the Hellboy movies, I, I like the first two Hellboy movies. I'd like yeah. to see another one. But but then yeah, again, I, think, I like the idea of Guillermo del Toro doing yeah. a new original story.
2: Yeah, because yeah, I think initially before the 3 kind of went into uh, obscurity was that there were talks because Hellboy was now owned by Universal. So the talks were that there is gonna be Hellboy versus Universal Monsters.
1: Oh,
0: that wouldn't be.
2: And now that and now that they're rebooting the Universal Monsters franchises, it would be like a perfect opportunity to bring the classic monsters and in, into a Hellboy universe, that,
0: so. that uh, Dracula Untold is that Universal? Is, yeah, that, that's is universal. that considered their yeah. reboot of Dracula?
2: I had no idea. I if I was Universal, I would disown it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that movie looks bad. It looks like it's. It looks like uh, like Van Helsing or or uh, what was that one? Uh, I, that Frankenstein. Uh, Van one. Helsing.
2: Oh, with uh, uh, I Frankenstein?
0: Was that the name of it?
2: Yeah, with, with Aaron with Aaron. Yeah. I didn't even see. I didn't it. <laughs> either, but it
0: looks like that.
2: But uh, I saw they had a panel of it at like WonderCon, I guess it was, and they're like. Yeah, it's like you're
0: a cool actor, but I don't think I'm gonna see it. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. But all right, well, uh, we didn't we didn't give scores for Guardians. So you gave it an eight out of ten on the site, right? In your review. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I'm also gonna see. This is tricky because I actually wrote a review for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and I gave it an eight and a half. And I actually mm-hmm. liked Guardians more. Than Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but right. I, I still kind of want to give Guardians an eight because I did have a few issues with it. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna yeah I think that, I'm gonna stick with an eight.
2: Yeah, I think I remember giving the Avengers like a nine out of ten, and I was I was just uh, I didn't know how it was gonna turn out. I was like going in as like okay, this could end up being a mess, and I was just surprised. And I was like a blast in the script, and I didn't. I like Guardians. I mean, I think it's really good, but I didn't get the same feeling that I had coming out of the Avengers.
0: Well, I think part of the thing is that I went into Guardians with very high expectations already. Like, I already expected it to be great. So it's not like it exceeded my expectations. It met my expectations. Uh Uh, I I thought that there were some issues with it. So, I mean, that just goes to show you that the... Scoring movies is ridiculous and arbitrary. And yeah. I wish we didn't have to do it, but people like scores. <laughs> so yes, they do. There you have it. Guardians of the Galaxy is playing everywhere now. It, I think one of the big things also that we that we have to look at with this with this uh, box office gross is that it opened in more screens, I believe, uh, than than normal. It it had. Uh, Oh no, I guess not. For some reason I thought I read somewhere that it was opening to like a record number of screens, but according to box Man. office mojo, it's like four thousand eighty screens
2: and I think they did say that forty four percent of the box office was three uh, d uh, or large format mm. uh, gross uh, so, did
0: you get the cool poster?
2: Yeah, yeah that was like the uh, including Comic Con, that was the third Guardians of the Galaxy related poster I acquired.
0: <laughs> I love the the black and pink one. Ugh, love it. I went. I would say got the a, IMAX uh, for that reason alone on Thursday.
2: Got a, uh, a a cool. I don't know who designed it, but it's like a Mondo like Guardians poster that was handed out to those who were able to get into Hall H for the Marvel panel. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Is uh, cool. I, I think I know the one you're talking about. I think that. I think that was a Mondo poster. I think Mondo did a couple Guardians posters. Yeah. So, all right. There you have it. Ernie, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. You're welcome. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about The One I Love. This is directed by Charlie McDowell, who is the son of Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Huh? Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen. Okay. Is it Bergen or Bergen? Oh, I have no idea. Because I I say it both ways because I'm not sure which one. But just
1: keep switching them up. Okay. Keep people on their toes.
0: Uh, this stars Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Ted Danson, who his Charlie McDowell's stepdad, plays a little role in it as well. I have a synopsis here. Struggling with a marriage on the brink of falling apart, a couple escapes for a weekend in pursuit of their better selves, only to discover an unusual dilemma that awaits them. Now with this review kevin mm-hmm. it is very important that we do not divulge any details Why about that? this because Why if you see the trailer they give away nothing but it's like one of those things where if you if you've already seen it and you see the trailer you can kind of figure out what's going on so
1: i think it, it is interesting to me in the sense that the film when you sit down and watch the film like they just they throw everything out on the table within like, yeah, which f- like I 10, 15 loved. minutes.
0: <laughs> I loved that because it was so crazy. Because this is the type of movie where, if you watch it at home, and this is playing on demand right now, if you watch it at home, you, you kind of, if you're watching it with other people, you kind of speculate out loud, right? Like, oh, I wonder what would happen if they did this or that. And it was like, while watching it, as soon as I would say something like that, it was like Mark Duplass would. Would say the exact same thing or do it, yeah, you know. It was it was so weird. It was like all the answers were coming within the first fifteen minutes of the movie.
1: Yeah, they, I mean they they unearth everything right off the bat, which it's, I thought it, was it just it. Just becomes a the the rest of the film just becomes like how how they're going to deal with it.
0: Right, and I I thought that was so interesting that they that they did it like that because before. Before the movie even starts, and if you see the trailer, I'm, I'm going to kind of spoil what's in the trailer. So, basically they go to this, they go for a weekend getaway at this cottage, and there's a guest house in the cottage. And when they enter the guest house, something happens. And that's, that's really all you know from the trailer. And I predicted what it was right off the bat. Like, I was like, oh, I bet it's this. And it was... So initially I was like kind of disappointed, but then but, but at what the they time, do with you, that.
1: You can't really be disappointed because they don't... You know, McDowell doesn't do this like showy reveal where it's like, this is the twist. Right. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, hey, this is what it is. And you're like, oh, okay. So what's the twist now?
0: Exactly. And I feel like this is... Um, what did we watch just recently that they did the, the reconstruction of William Zero? They kind of did the same thing where... Yeah, they just right off the bat, they're like, "Oh, this is this is what it is." So you you can predict what it's gonna be, but then they quickly tell you in the film, like, "Yeah, it is this," but that's not the big secret.
1: Yeah, which which is which is I think it's it's very interesting because it does sort of knock you off balance.
0: Mm Hmm. Because once the lead up, you're you're thinking to yourself, "What's." what is this? What is this going to be? And then when they get it out of the way in the first 10 minutes, you're like, okay, where's this going to go <laughs> <Yeah>. from here?
1: <laughs> what's the point of this movie now?
0: <laughs> where are we going to go from here? And I found myself trying to predict things and asking questions throughout the movie. And it was just so interesting because when the couple, when Mark Deplass and Elizabeth Moss figure out what's going on here and they figure it out really quickly. yeah, Uh, they do, they, the way they investigate it is, is very realistic. Like it's exactly how I would do it, it's you know? A,
1: yes. It's, they are very, they're very intelligent is, you know, how they go about this. They're all, there's a constant dialogue between the two of them of how they're going to, you know, tackle whatever you want to call this and how they're going to, you know, go about it. And that, that's the main thing that I loved about it is that everything made sense. Everything was realistic. They were intelligent about it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, just one ridiculous sequence after another where you're like, why the fuck would they do that? Right. Everything made sense. Yep. And they make logical decisions
0: throughout the movie, too. It's not like, it's also not like a situation where we know what's really going on as the viewer. We know what's going on and they don't because they're idiots. Yeah. Like, and the whole, so the whole time. As you're watching, you're like, well, just figure it out. Like, it, that doesn't happen in this movie. They they very quickly figure out what's going on. And f- from that point, you realize, like, that's not what this movie is about. It's really about this something else. And that's what I found to be really interesting. The, the whole, you know, shtick of this movie, the whole device that they use in the movie, that's not really the centerpiece. You know, it's really about this relationship and what this thing does to them.
1: Yeah, it brings up a lot of things. It brings up a lot of trust issues, <clears throat> which it seems like Mark Duplass has none throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It it's a very interesting. It's extremely interesting. I just it's difficult to to talk about without giving anything away. Well, I think there's, we're so gonna, many, there's so many things to talk about.
0: Right, right. And I but think it, that what we're going to have to do is get into...
1: Go into the spoilers. Yeah, we're
0: going to have to... What we'll do is we'll get into specifics, and we'll put it at the end of the show in a spoiler discussion. Because well,
1: a, a couple things that we can discuss without spoiling the movie is, first off, the Duplass and Elizabeth Moss, their chemistry is unbelievable in this movie.
0: Incredible. agree.
1: I could watch these two for like four or five more hours.
0: Yeah, they felt like a real couple. They really did.
1: And they are actually, uh, they just feel very genuine, very spontaneous. They're very funny. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of funny sequences in this movie and a lot of great lines. Just when Mark Duplass realizes that there's bacon being made (laughs) and just his reaction (laughs) to bacon was very realistic because that's the way I react to bacon. (laughs) <laughs> because, yeah, there <laughs> it is
0: kind of a a mashup. It's a hard movie to categorize because there's so many elements from other movies in this. You know, there's like this kind of twilight zone, almost hitchcockian element. There's a lot of comedy in it. There's this almost horror movie aspects
1: to it too. Yeah, it becomes a little bit of a thriller there towards the end.
0: Yeah, it's very It's very interesting, and it's really hard to pigeonhole this movie.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. Definitely Uh, difficult.
0: One thing I also liked was the score.
1: Yeah, I don't really remember the score, to be honest.
0: It had this kind of... It almost felt like the burbs to me, where it was like this kind of quirky-sounding music. I liked that quite a bit. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't remember the music. Must have not uh didn't hit me in the same way it hit you. Yeah,
0: it wasn't I mean it wasn't amazing, but I did take note of it. Okay. All right. I thought that it did uh complement the kind of weird tone of the movie. Uh I did like Ted Danson for the brief time that he was in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh Ted Danson. He's I'm trying always, to He's always a thrill.
0: I will say that I there were some aspects of the movie that i had a problem with some possible plot holes but i can't
1: <clears throat> oh it sort of falls apart towards the end
0: i can't divulge what you know what those are but now, for people for people listening to this that haven't seen the movie and are kind of wondering if they should see it or not i think yes. you should see it but i think that there are issues with it
1: there's definitely issues with it and this was the discussion that because i watched this with my wife and towards the end like i said it kind of falls apart here and we had this discussion of are they necessarily plot holes because they never really took the time to, um, you know, explain them. They just sort of left everything unexplained. Right. Didn't even bring it up and try and explain it. So, are they really plot holes? Or are they just instances where they just left you in the dark? Completely? I can give you some plot holes.
0: Okay, <laughs> I can give you some straight up plot holes in this, but there there are those moments that that you. Mention where it's one of those movies where we don't know more than, than they do, than Mark Duplass yeah. and, and Elizabeth Moss do. So, yes, there are aspects of it that it, it, are it, not explained. It,
1: it, yeah, it raises a lot of questions.
0: Exactly. There are a whole lot of questions. But I, think, I don't think that those were necessarily plot holes. I think that that was intentionally left yeah. kind of unanswered. Then I'm okay uh, with that. It gives some, me some, some of the specifics. About, thing.
1: But I also see it as you know maybe something that uh, the screenwriter, Justin, later. Something that he couldn't answer. Or I maybe think he that, can. I don't know.
0: I think that they wrote themselves into several corners with this movie. And I think that they use a couple things to try to get out of it. Yeah. And again, I think we'll have to get into those in spoilers. So do you have anything else you want to add? very generally before we get into some spoilers.
1: I found it to be very funny. I don't know about you, but it Uh there's a, yes. there's there's there were... a lot of there's a lot of points in this movie that reminded me of my relationship.
0: Yes, absolutely. And
1: uh and I don't know if I said at the beginning but or maybe I did. Yeah, I was celebrating my wedding. Right. Mm-hmm. So there was some things that uh you know at the very beginning of the movie where they Duplass tries to recreate that moment in the pool. Man, it doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't work. There's this whole thing where he's trying to recreate moments in the past from their relationship to, like, try and make them special again. And just when Elizabeth Moss is kind of, like, explaining that she doesn't like that and she wants to make new ones, it was something that was like, oh, my God, I see where she's coming from. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that anymore. That's stupid.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So
1: I I learned a little. I learned a little bit.
0: I think as far as a relationship, movie, this really hits the nail on the head.
1: It it definitely goes over some interesting things. especially and Because the, this is, especially this is whole, a
0: relatively young couple that yeah. have been married for a while, and I think that there's a lot of issues in their relationship that, that a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. You know, how when you've been to, together with the same person for so long, uh, things begin to become stale, and and you try to keep things fresh and sometimes it doesn't work
1: it's it, for me and this is just me personally speaking it's uh the longer you're in a relationship it seems like more um pressure is built up that like when you come up to certain like you know uh milestones in mm-hmm. a relationship there's just a shit ton of pressure to make that day like the greatest day ever right and it just, it's too much sometimes.
0: One of the issues I have in, in my relationship is complacency. Like, just kind of falling into routine. And yeah. I find it difficult to get out of just this kind of everyday, day-to-day routine. Correct. And it's like sometimes I have to look back and be like, all right, we need to do something, spur of the moment, do something fun just to break the routine.
1: But then it's also weird cuz when you try and do that, the other person knows you so well that when you try and do that, it just seems really weird. <laughs> and they're sort of like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, uh, why, why are you do why are you acting this way? Are you cheating on me? <laughs> Is this what you're doing? <laughs>
0: you need to tell me that you've been cheating on me?" <laughs> yeah, I think that uh I liked I liked all that stuff. I liked I think, the, sh- the,
1: I think in short, what we're trying to say is relationships are hard.
0: They are. They are hard. And this, <laughs> I think that this movie,
2: it
1: co- it covers some stuff. Especially, I like the whole um, tackling the like how you want people to change. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you would like them more if they acted uh, more in a way that you wouldn't enjoy, or you know. It's interesting that the, the road that they go down. Right. It's kind of, it, again, it's kind of hard to tiptoe around it without giving it away.
0: Right. And it, and it, it also kind of explores the, the idea of the ideal, the ideal mate. You know, like um, what would... So in my relationship, if I was able to tell my girlfriend everything that I would like her to be or do and she did all of those things would she be the same person you know and i think that it kind of explores yeah. that idea as well
1: yeah she would definitely not be the same person
0: right and and that's something that the movie looks at it's like can we if you're in a relationship can you accept your partner for who they are even if there's certain things that they do that annoy you or that you don't like or you would prefer this way and it's like those; those are all the things that make up that person, you know. And yeah. if you have the ability to accept that person, including those those things that you don't find ideal, you know, it can you do that?
1: I think we need to just jump into spoiler territory.
0: Yes, we do. So, uh, if you if you've seen the one I love, go ahead and we'll put this on at the end of the show. So just listen through, and we'll have this this part at the end. All right, so what are you going to give the one I love out of ten?
1: Ooh. Oh, boy. <clears throat> um, I think I'm going to go, like, a
0: seven. This was a really tough one for me because I th- I feel like there are plot issues, but I thought that it was just so inventive and funny and i really liked what i saw i just wish there was a little bit more explanation and i know that it's not the type of movie that's not what it's about you know the movie's not about explaining what happens it's about the relationships and what happens to the relationships but i still wanted just a little bit more so i'm gonna give it a i'm also gonna give it a 7
1: actually Ooh. See, yeah, I had the same problems, but uh, the chemistry and the performances from Duplass and Moss just Still, made me, sort of made me forget, you know, made right. me forget about it, sort of glossed over it. Oh, just, I mean, you know, I, went, yeah. I enjoyed these guys.
0: While was I was great. watching it, it wasn't like while I was watching it, I was like, come on, you know, it wasn't like that. I was thoroughly invested and thoroughly enjoying it as I was watching it.
1: Well, what you need to do is turn off your brain. Just tell yourself to shut the fuck up and just remember the aardvark, okay? Just remember the aardvark. Just remember the aardvark. <laughs>
0: there we go. And then
1: you'll be fine. Uh,
0: the one I love is currently playing on Video On Demand uh, via Amazon, iTunes, and all those fun
1: providers. So. And uh, just, uh, I don't know, I had this problem and I don't know if other people are having this problem just just a heads up if you search the one i love on amazon it doesn't show up right i had to i don't re- i don't why why well, is that
0: yeah we we had this cuz we planned on reviewing this 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 weekend on the show and i knew it was going to hit vod and i found it on cable on demand and i was like oh crap it's one of these like cable only deals but then I found it on iTunes and I was like, oh okay, well it's on iTunes, so let me check Amazon. It took me like five minutes, but I did find it finally on Amazon.
1: I, I could not find it and I found it on iTunes and then I, I haven't yeah. used iTunes yet and I go to doing you gotta do an Apple ID and all this shit and then I hated everything and I smoked a cigarette. And then I found out that it was on Amazon because
0: The I think the trick is to look it up on IMDB. Look up the movie on IMDb, and there's a link there.
1: See, that's uh, my wife figured that out. See, I just get pissed off and storm out. (laughs) You
0: just give up.
1: (laughs) I just throw my laptop down. I'm like, fuck this. Fucking hate technology.
0: Well, there you go. All right, let's go into some predictions. Last week, we said Guardians of the Galaxy. You said 87. Or no, I said 87. You said 88. Actual 92. Killing it. That's also nice. killing it at the box office too. Yeah, oh it boy, it is destroying. Uh, get on up! You said sixty-two. I said fifty-two. Actual seventy-seven. Surprising. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking that that was not going to be very good.
1: I didn't. I didn't think so either.
0: I still really don't have any interest in seeing I it. I have absolutely none. I like James Brown. I'm a I'm a big fan of James Brown, but James
1: James Brown is one of those people that. I'm a fan of them, but I don't want to know anything about them. Right, yeah. Because I have this feeling that I'm not going to like them at all.
0: Yeah, I think that he was like a dick. I think he's like an alcoholic. And he
1: he kind of seems like a misogynist. Yeah. Uh, I don't... don't, I'd rather not have that. I'd rather be in the dark on that.
0: Yeah, I just want to enjoy the music. Next week, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's finally gonna happen. So this is
1: this is real. What this are you thinking real. on this
0: one? I my I think it's gonna be pretty rough. I think that critics are not gonna be into this. 36. I will say hmm, 38. Okay.
2: Alright.
0: And we also have step up all in. <laughs> God. I'm gonna say mm. thirty-two.
2: Mm,
1: I'm gonna go
0: thirty-seven. And finally, we have Into the Storm. Oh
1: God! Is this even a movie? It's
0: it's found footage, which I didn't know.
1: it's it? But like the trailer doesn't even make it. It just looks like a sizzle reel of like, hey, look what I can <laughs> do with effects. Like, is there a story to it?
0: Yeah, there is, but uh, it doesn't look very good. So I'll say forty-two.
1: I'm gonna say twelve.
0: Hmm. 12 I bet bet it's going to be lower than 42
1: Damn right Uh, In limited release I didn't want to say it but you're going to be so wrong
0: I know That's alright In in limited release next week we have What If We have Is that the one with uh, Daniel Radcliffe? I think it is I was curious about that one Uh, About uh, Alex With Aubrey Plaza We have The Green Prince we have The Dog, which is the documentary about... Uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy that Dog Day Afternoon is based on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll be covering that on, the, sh- on uh, the site. And No Cameras Allowed, which is a documentary about a kid who is like a... He's like a photojournalist, and he breaks into music festivals and like sneaks backstage and gets... Pictures of big performers.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. It it looks all right. It's an MTV documentary.
1: I'm not interested. No, I'm not really interested. Let's just throw that out there. Uh,
0: Next week on Video On Demand, got some good ones. uh, Or at least one that I want to see. Lyle, which is uh, with Gabby Hoffman. This is going to be actually free on August 4th. So tomorrow. Okay. It'll be up on LyleTheMovie.com, so you can check that out. Looks like a psychological horror movie, sort of a Rosemary's Baby vibe.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Looks pretty intense. So I'll probably be checking that out. Rich Hill also comes out on VOD.
1: I'm interested in that.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, <laughs> when you see the trailer, you're like, oh, that's that's definitely an Adam movie. Uh, 37, A Final Promise. I don't really know what that is. At the Devil's Door and The Maid's Room. Yeah.
1: Right. Not,
0: not familiar with those. No. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray next week. We have 12 O'Clock Boys. Yeah. Yeah, check that out. Divergent. No. Uh, God's Not Dead. No. Ironclad. Battle for Blood. No. <laughs> Need for Speed.
1: No. Oculus. Maybe. Well,
0: you, you won't. You probably won't like that because you.
1: You do not tell me what I will and well, will not like. I,
0: I I think I'm I can predict that you wouldn't like that very much. And ping pong summer. Yes. Yes, check that out. Yes, definitely. Not, not a great, again. not a great cover on the Blu-ray, but.
1: Nah, no, it's kind of a, kind of disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think every, every uh Blu-ray publisher should come out with double-sided covers correct so this is what draft house films does it and scream factory does it double sided covers are the way to go because you know the the standard ping pong summer cover cuz you got to have the picture of the stars in there you got to have the generic stuff that a uh, a regular person who who's not familiar with the movie they see it and they're like, oh, Susan Sarandon's in this. Okay, let me, uh, let me check this out. But make the other side be the cool cover, you know, yeah. that people actually want to put on display.
1: Like the French version.
0: The French version?
1: Have you seen the French DVD? I don't think so. It's just Susan Sarandon standing with a fish in her hand. It <laughs> says Pinkball Summer.
0: <laughs> I think it'd be cool if the cover was just a um, like the background was just a solid color, and then it just said how they have that that one logo where it says "Ping Pong Summer" in graffiti letters. Mm-hmm. Just that.
1: There's a number of things that they could do, but uh, they always seem to go for these very, very generic covers. Yeah, that just I mean, make me not want to buy your DVD. Yeah, honestly. I
0: mean when you when you go to uh, Best Buy or Barnes and Noble or wherever. And you see the the DVD and Blu-ray covers. It's like, this is garbage. Like, Mm -hmm. The Raid 2, my favorite movie of the year so far, has a terrible DVD cover. And then they come out with this steelbook in Europe, I think. And it's got an awesome cover.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Because certain DVD companies put thought into it. They put care into it because they actually care about the movie. That's why and I think. And then other ones just they don't give two shits. They just throw it out there and they wait for money to come in.
0: That's why I think you should go with the the double sided cover, cause then you can have your generic floating head cover or whatever, and then when I get the Blu-ray, I can just switch it, flip it over to the good artistic cover that's the one I wanted. There you go. And and that's like I said, that's what Scream Factory and Draft House does. Although, for theirs. Pretty much both of their covers are awesome usually but either way, any criterions next week no criterions
1: none Is it a holiday next I don't week know. is it I don't know I don't think it is no I think
0: it's the following week is I don't know I feel like one of the we're, we're gearing up for a holiday of some sort I don't know we're getting ready to do something <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right I think that that will wrap it up. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam.
1: And I'm Kevin.
0: And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.
2: Ooh, child, things are get brighter. Ooh,
1: child, things are going to get easier
0: so let's talk about some spoilers for the one i love
1: spoiler time
0: spoiler time spoiling oh. it
1: up so i guess I feel, I feel as though we should come up for uh with a theme song for spoiler time <laughs> i think that's something that needs to be done
0: we'll throw that out to the listeners see if you can make us a theme song for spoiler time. <laughs> but it's gonna be called spoiler time.
1: You're fucking right it is. So I guess
0: the big thing is the, the cabin, the guest house.
1: The guest house.
0: Doppelgangers.
1: What's up with all the fucking we are, doppelgangers?
0: We're dealing with doppelgangers again.
1: Once again, this is a doppelganger rich year. It, it, in it cinema. is cinema.
0: Extremely rich with doppelgangers. Now I had a feeling That it was going to be a doppelganger situation. I knew right off
1: the bat just because of how the year has been going. I just immediately thought doppelgangers. Yeah, my first thought was
0: it's either doppelgangers or it's some sort of like time time rift or something like that. But I I strongly believe that it was doppelgangers. Looking at the poster now, it seems clear that it was doppelgangers.
1: That would be very interesting. It would be like a time rift. You know what I mean? Like a time uh, to like a time travel. Well, I thought like that he goes back in time and tries to fix things in his relationship and see how it affects her in the present. Yeah, that'd be
0: interesting. That was before even begin before even starting it. Then, uh, at one point in the movie, when their phones get switched, or he he calls the doppelganger, the doppelganger one calls like his mom and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, they tries to get th- information.
0: I thought that maybe that was going to be something to do with a a, a time travel situation. Like, he was calling from the future or something like that. But, I mean, that was quickly.
1: That was quickly.
0: Quickly quashed.
1: That's right. That is correct.
0: But to get into some of the plot holes or details that are left unexplained the big the big thing is who these people are who these doppelgangers that's, are
1: that's what I'm saying who the fuck are they where do they come from um, and then the, you know towards the end when Elizabeth Moss 2 or Sophie 2 sort of explains like oh you know you, you guys will be the ones that are trapped here and we'll get out okay so if that's the case what about all the couples before like where are the ones that are trapped there where are they where are they kept
0: well, it's it's like a you switch them out. So the the real Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss get trapped there after the fake ones get out, and then another couple will come in later. I know, and they have where to they do the same thing?
1: But where did the trapped couples go? Because obviously they, they get can't, out, but they can't leave because there's that like force field or whatever.
0: No, the force field gets let go. Because remember, let go.
1: and then they just go. So there's doppelgangers out there, right? Yeah, just living in the world.
0: Yeah, because she said that the closer they become those other people, the (laughs) the uh, the further they're allowed to travel away from the house. Okay. So that doesn't explain how they're able to change their voices and their looks.
1: Yeah, and why do they really care? Then you know, like why does it become a competition if they know later on down the road they get to leave? once a new couple comes it just seems mm. like that the those motivations are null and void at that point cuz you get to leave if another couple comes in
0: yeah but who so knows it, when that will be
1: well ted dansons keeping a steady flow of couples
0: well that that's the other thing is like what what is all this for is it just to further ted danson's career <laughs> is this all just a way for him to be like look at all these great Couples that I've helped, you know, strengthen yeah. their relationship. Or is it some sort of weird body snatchers situation where these are, these are not even human beings. These are like some sort of alien creatures.
1: Yeah. That's what that's that what I slowly, mean by that. Like, that are like,
0: slowly taking over.
1: That's what I mean. I mean, are they really, because they're not really explained at all, are they really plot holes or is it just, you know, mm
0: and I, well with that specifically with that i don't really consider that a plot hole some of the plot holes uh like at the end of the film when uh, elizabeth moss too is like do you have any extra clothes that i could wear like the what you're wearing or whatever and she has the exact same outfit like who yeah man. who takes two of the exact same outfit on vacation with them Yes, and I mean, she's wearing the exact same clothes.
1: Yeah, and you can't even back it up that you know the other set of people had those clothes because
0: they don't. Number because two,
1: they... number two, Ethan was stealing the clothes from number one. Ethan.
0: Right. Exactly. So you can't you can't uh, justify that. The other thing when that.
1: I, well, you know what? Now, now I'm not liking it as much. Yeah. Now that we're thinking about it, let's yeah. start, let's stop thinking about it. It's <laughs> well, we're ruining it. That's a, which is funny, which is funny because they talk about that in the movie, which is the reason I bring that up is that it is kind of interesting that, you know, uh, Ethan number two is he has that ridiculous aardvark metaphor, <laughs> which I don't for whatever reason, I found it hilarious. I found it hilarious, too. You know, to just embrace the magic of it and not, you know, try and dissect it and think logically about it or, you know delve into a, a K-hole of critical thinking. Yeah, but thinking. that's what, yeah, but but that's the, what but, we do. <laughs> but we can't help it. That's what we I, do. I critically think everything forever. I'll be thinking about this movie seven years from now. Picking yeah. it apart. Well, the other, the other
0: big thing that I consider to be an issue is the fact that Ted Danson would leave his iMac just sitting out and turned on with all the yeah, couples that, folders that right there
1: that doesn't make sense at all and
0: like i i don't get that at all and t- to me the only reason that that even exists is so that ethan one can find it and figure out what's going on
1: yeah which is
0: that shouldn't <laughs> and that that was me that didn't make that, sense. that was back when i said that i felt that the writers painted them or wrote themselves into a corner several times and tried to get out of it and that was like the easiest way they're like oh well let's just have a computer sitting there that has all the information and gives away all the secrets
1: yeah and then also the ipad that has all the the pictures of the couples like why would you have the Do Plus? why would you also yeah s- before they leave in there yeah come in afterwards after they leave come in and update the ipad yeah that just exactly. that's, that seems like an oversight come on get your shit together
0: but there were there were several other, like, little things there just, as well.
1: I also found it very interesting in the sense that Duplass wanted to spend absolutely no time with the perfect version of his wife. I thought that that was very interesting. Yeah. And that he, Elizabeth Moss wanted nothing but, you know, to spend time with the perfect version of her husband.
0: I think because Ethan one knew... Because he was a little rocky on the whole thing to begin with. Like, he wasn't really buying it. He didn't think that it was really her. And I I think that he had a harder time uh, accepting the fact that this was just, like, the perfect version of her. Yeah. But I also do think it's interesting. Because in the beginning, he's kind of the bad guy. You know, he's the one that cheated on her. And he's trying to gain back her trust. But then, eventually, they... Kind of switch it up so that she's the one that's falling out of love with the real Ethan and falling in love with Ethan too.
1: The perfect version of Ethan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who does sit ups and paints <laughs> portraits of her. Terrible portraits. <laughs> terrible portrait. Terrible. I like how she said what did she say? I look severe.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, that was funny.
1: Uh and he titled it Sophie My Love, the bird victim. <laughs>
0: Oh, my. Uh, what do you think about the end when they, with the bacon scene, and they made you uh, question he, he which? Picked,
1: he, picked, he picked the wrong one. He picked but the do, wrong one, but, but the do right you one. Think, do you think At he the picked time. the wrong one? I think he did. He's He didn't pick the one that he wanted, but it's the one that wanted to go with him. Because so. I think Sophie 1 was so into Ethan 2 and so enamored by him. That, you know, when they they do that classic, uh, you know, the doppelganger switch. Right. It's like you have to pick which one's the real one. And the fact that she was so bummed out that, you know, Ethan too got injured by the force field. It's such a ridiculous sentence to say all that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he just obviously went to the one that smiled at him and was like, yeah, I want to go with you. And then it turns out that it was the wrong one.
0: He I mean, he, but he thought it was the real one because he, he was, thought it
1: was the real one because he thought he won her over earlier
0: but it could be the real one we don't really know
1: we don't know
0: because it could but be it could be the real Sophie who is now realizing that you know she she loves Ethan for who he is and she's yeah, gonna take steps into
1: but don't you think that's a weird thing to switch like yeah I'm back in love with this guy so I'm gonna let him eat bacon no, that's not gonna
0: happen. Well, but she could be like, oh, it's well. gonna, it's gonna start because, because she just, knew about the bacon thing. Because when they, fir- when they went into the cabin together initially, he's like, there was bacon here. So yeah. It takes more than five minutes to get the smell of bacon out, so maybe she knew. I mean, it I'm just, just playing like devil's really advocate. I, I, I know,
1: I know, but it d- doesn't that seem like a weird thing to change? Like, ah, oh, well, it's the small I love things. this stuff. guy again. i I'm, you know, I'm gonna make him bacon. No, she seemed pretty adverse to the idea of bacon.
0: It's the small things. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like Pick to it. think that it's the real Sophie, but does it does it really matter? I it <laughs>
1: doesn't. It, it's going to irritate the shit out of him.
0: Mm. Or, he
1: just, or he actually, just accepts it. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that his constant state of paranoia and distrust is it doesn't really matter who he picked. He's always going to think that he picked the wrong one. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because he has that constant distrust of her. Yep. It's just gonna We're be gonna in the back
0: talking. of his mind the whole time.
1: So it doesn't really matter who he picked. It's that he has serious trust issues.
0: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that.
1: I don't know, but we spoiled the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> spoiled it so hard.
0: Uh, any other spoilers? I'm trying to think of specific things. Mm. I did think that the phone... The phone the phone thing was a little odd. Yeah.
1: Because
0: I I was, like, wondering how that works. Does Ethan 2 not have a phone? Or did he just use Ethan 1's phone when he planted it in the house? And if he did plant it in the house, how did he find it? How did Ethan 2 find it? Did it, like, maybe ring and then he found it? But it also seems odd that he... Oh, yeah, he did plant it in Ethan 2. No, he... It was impo- like, how does that work? The switchover, know. you know?
1: I don't know. I don't know.
0: There's just so many questions. There's so many things left unanswered. I wish just a few more things. I wish that they would ju- have just given us a few more tidbits as to how the mechanics of this and how it all works. Now, just, like yeah, I just said, glimpses. like I said before, I I loved how when they were trying to figure out how it worked because. The first thing I said was, what if, what if you try to go in while the other person's in there? And then like, I was like, okay, well, you know, what happens if you both go in? These were all questions that they had and that they figured out.
1: Yes, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed when the the very first time, you know, cause they, they thought it out and he's like, okay, just wait here. I'm going to go in. I'm going to come back out. And the fact that he walks in and he comes out and he's like, you're taking a shower in there. I just handed you a towel. Yeah. <laughs> And just the way he delivered that. And then she goes in and comes back out and just the looks on their faces. I, re- I really thought that that was interesting that they sort of just kind of clear everything up right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Just this is what it is. It's all on the table. And I mean, there's a, there's a slight twist at the end, but, you know, it doesn't build up to this huge reveal. The reveal comes in, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes.
0: I loved the scene when they first confronted where they're all four in the, in the same room. At once. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was great. I was like, I oh really- shit. It's getting real now.
2: Oh my. Doppelganger's.